0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time now to bring in Scotty G. You hear him with hands from 10 to 2, and you hear him on the Utah State Aggie broadcast, which is why he joins us right now. The season opener, Saturday night, 5 o'clock. of have the pregame show at 4, the game at 5 on 12.80 The Zone. Scotty G, good morning.
1: Good morning, DJ. How are you?
0: Excellent. Are you still in Utah, or have you returned to your ancestral homelands? <laughs>
1: Uh, I am still here. I'm about ready to hop in my car and drive to a lovely remote at the store uh, and do a great remote where I'm sure they're going to have a great special on uh, pizza and wings, which I highly recommend. And will be there today from 10 to 2. And then I will leave right after and head to lovely oisey.
0: With a stop in Burley or Declan. Yeah: or Declo. Yeah. A lot of new faces on this team
2: going forward here. Obviously, quarterback. Uh, but before we get to the new faces, let's talk about the returners. Uh, strength of the team, maybe running back, defensive backs.
1: Yeah, I think you're looking at uh, you know uh, Troy Leftridge. Uh, you know, you've got two really good safeties there. You've got Cam Lampkin a corner. Defensive backfield. They're not. They're not deep at that position, but they're really good at that position. And so I think they have a chance to be really good. Justice Tay on the defensive line has a chance to have a really good season. I know they're anticipating that. And then uh, on the flip side, I think you've got two really, really good running backs, Jalen Warren and obviously uh, Devontae Henry-Cole. I think that's going to be the strength of this team and what they're going to try to do against Boise, and pretty much every team is really try to establish the run between those two. And then uh, Jason Shelley, a quarterback, I think that's their main priority is really trying to establish that running attack, hopefully run for you know over 160, 170 yards a game. And if they do that, they feel like they can be competitive in most games.
0: Now, you were producing this show uh, like a decade and a half ago, so you know how it works. PK asks all the positive questions, and I bring all the hard-hitting negative stuff. That's the brand yeah. we've really built up over two decades. So,
1: Absolutely. When I think PK, I think positive.
0: Right. So, yes. So, what... What is the biggest problem for the Aggies? If you must go positive, what is the biggest challenge or the most enormous question mark?
1: Which uh, position? Definitely a linebacker. Uh, and and they've they've kind of switched back to a three four, which they probably should have been at last year. But uh, they uh, they slide back to that traditional three four, which I really think fits their strengths. But linebacker is going to be a big question. They've got some youth there that they liked. That they think it ain't, excuse me that they anticipate will be really good. Uh, but it's just not there yet. Kevin Metzenheimer is kind of your senior leader on that team uh, from a linebacking standpoint. Nick Henninger, the Utah transfer, is going to be uh, one of those linebackers as well. But they've, they've got some inexperience and they have some depth issues. That That's going to be a huge, huge question mark going into that team, and there's no doubt. I talked to Gary on the coaching show earlier in the week, and I asked him the same question, and he went right to that linebacker position. Not that they don't think that they're talented. They're just a little inexperienced and a little thin, and they uh, that's going to be the thing I think all of us are going to be looking at on Saturday.
2: So I think we knew what was going to happen at quarterback when old Henry Columbia decided that uh, he was going to take off and reunite with Matt Wells. And so it seemed like it was obvious then that Jason Sully was going to be the quarterback. My thought, is if that's true, I'm going on the assumption that it is true. If it's not, let me know. But basically, they decided a while ago, and why did they decide they like Jason better than Henry?
1: Well, I I don't know if that was always the case. I think that they wanted depth of that position, because right now, the number two guy is Andrew Peasley, who is I think has a chance to be really good, but uh, he's coming off a knee injury, and he just doesn't have a lot of experience out there at all. So I think they wanted two experienced quarterbacks that had some opportunities, and you know, it they, they wasn't uh, a case of trying to run Henry Columbia out. They just wanted some depth of that position and competition at that position. I don't think it was a uh, foregone conclusion that it was going to be Jason Shelley's job. Uh, but I think Henry Columbia felt like that when, uh, felt, you know, probably felt like when they brought in Jason Shelley that Gary Anderson's a Utah guy. This is a Utah quarterback, and Utah guys have had some success transferring up there. And I think he felt like, Perhaps he wasn't going to give a, get an opportunity to win that job and decided to go with Matt Wells to Texas Tech. I everything I've heard that wasn't the case. Uh, that they wanted a real strong competition and that when that competition was over, whoever it was going to be, uh, they felt they were going to feel good at the depth of that position. But you know how kids are, and I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not slamming the kid at all. He felt like uh, he needed to go and get uh, a new opportunity somewhere else, and now he's the starting quarterback at Texas Tech.
0: So, how big a hill is it to climb to beat Boise State?
1: Uh, It's a big one. I mean, Boise State brings back a lot of their offense. Hank Backmeyer, quarterback, uh, two really good wide receivers, a thousand-yard rusher. Uh, Their offensive line got turned over quite a bit, but uh, I mean, it's Boise. They're gonna they're gonna have a good offense. They're gonna score a lot of points, and they're gonna create a lot of problems for people. So, defensively, they lose. uh, Just a you know, he was a tremendous player. Beat, you know took over Jan Jorgensen's record for most sacks in Mountain West Conference history, and Curtis Weaver. He left for the NFL as a junior, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, player for Boise State. But I mean, they'll, they'll reload and they'll probably be fine. They've got uh, two corners and a safety that are really good, um, and so they're going to Utah State's going to struggle to throw the ball against that defense. Uh, I think they feel like they've got some opportunities to run the ball on an inexperienced defensive line, but. I mean, let's be honest. It's Boise State. They're going to be good and they're going to have great athletes and it's going to be a tough challenge. Uh, The great thing is that, uh, you know, that you don't have to deal with 35,000 idiot fans up there at Boise that uh, are all, well, never mind. I probably should stop now. But anyway, that's all 35,000 well behaved Boise State fans.
0: Those are your ancestral homelands. How can you talk about people like that?
1: You're an Idahoan. (laughs) Those are not my people. My people are a little further south. I don't. Like, Boise got weird a long time ago. We don't claim Boise. It's like its own little state inside of Idaho.
2: Oh, you mean like the Vatican inside uh, Italy?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Okay. Um, or you know, it's just. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we don't really claim it that much anymore. In fact, I'm, I think they need to move the capital out of there and go somewhere else. It's more a little bit more representative of the good state of Idaho instead of the morons, the living boys. Oh, I did it again. Ooh, I'm sorry. Geez. That's my bad. Wow, man, harsh, harsh, harsh.
2: We saw Jason Shelley when he played for Utah that uh end of that first season there a couple of years ago. He had some success with the deep ball, particularly to Dixon. And I think they can utilize this a little bit here now with uh, him being the quarterback at Utah State.
1: Uh yeah, I, I that that's the plan and they want to take some shots for sure. Uh and they've got the, they've got some size issues at wide receiver. They've got one uh J C transfer, just a, a monster, six foot six, two hundred and fifteen pounds, uh that they feel like that could be their fade guy in the end zone or the guy that can high point a ball, but they've got a lot of, other than that, they've got a lot of small and very speed uh, very very fast wide receivers. So they anticipate hopefully being able to push the ball down the field a little bit. Uh, but I think the, the big focus is on the RPO, and that's you know what Jason Shelley ran a lot of at the University of Utah. That's his strength. I was talking to the offensive coordinator last night. He mentioned his quick release uh, and his quick decision-making. So I would anticipate uh, the RPO is a big part of what they're going to do there uh, throughout the season.
0: So the number one thing you want to see is a win. But for a team that's starting out at Boise State, home to San Diego State, and at Nevada – arguably they could end up being three of the top four teams in the league. What kind of improvement do you see, need to see that even if the win doesn't happen, because nobody from the state of Utah has won since the Aggies won up there in 96, it's 15 straight losses. If you don't see a win, what would you see that would at least encourage you about this upcoming, cause this, this upcoming schedule? Because it's a gauntlet here right out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I would say offensive line play is going to be absolutely critical. They— they had some issues last year. They dealt with some injuries last year, and I know they're already starting the season out, dealing with some injuries as well on that position group. And so I think the the big thing is can you run the ball and can you protect the quarterback? Those are going to be my two big keys on offense. Uh, if they can do that, even if they don't win against Boyce, that's a good sign for what they'll be able to hopefully do throughout the course of the season. And then uh, on the defensive side, can they stop the run? I mean, near the end of the year, uh, they, they just couldn't. I mean, teams were gashing them at five, six yards a carry. It was a really, really ugly situation uh, near the end of last season. They just could not stop the run. So if they can, if they can slow down the run, uh, hold uh, Boise to you know minimal yards on the ground. Uh, I think Boise is going to throw the ball on anybody this year. They've got a great quarterback, as I mentioned, those two really good receivers. So uh, I, I think that Boise is going to get up and down the field on anybody they play uh, through the air. But can Utah State slow them down on the ground and then uh, you know make it a game in the fourth quarter? If they can do that, I think that's a success.
2: Yeah, I view uh, Bachmeyer as, you know, somebody who's going to stand in the pocket and try to pick you apart. And if you give him time, he's probably going to do that. So the obvious question then for the Aggies is, They going to be able to get any rush on him?
1: Can I uh, delay my answer until uh, Saturday around 9 o'clock? <laughs> Cause, I mean, that's the question. I asked Gary the same thing. Can you get there in four? Can you get there with four guys, or are you going to have to manufacture a pass rush? And he said, I'll tell you Saturday after the game. <laughs> that's the big question mark, too, with that defensive line. Can you get there with, you know, obviously not three, but can you get there with four? And um, we're not sure. I don't think anybody's really sure right now what that what that's going to look like. So uh, that's that's one of the million-dollar questions. Can they – can they be stout against the run, and can they rush, and can they get the quarterback without blitzing? And if they can do those things, then you know it's going to be a good season this year.
0: How many more of these questions would coaches be able to answer if the Mountain West coaches had two more weeks to get ready like the Pac-12? Because the, the, the downside is the Pac-12 is playing fewer games, and they're taking a hit for that. There's plenty of people critical of that. But they are going to have more of a run-up, and to the degree you can learn about your team in practice, they're going to know more. The Mountain West is getting more games in, which is a positive. But the prep time here was really the minimal available, and I don't think coaches love that.
1: No, and I think you're right. I mean, I think that's spot on. You just you don't know what you have right now, and there's a lot of teams out there. I mean, Boise could probably say the same thing about their running backs and their defense, or not the running backs, their offensive line and their defensive line. That's why I think it's going to be a real crazy year with, with. You know, a lot of people not knowing what they're doing. I mean, San Jose State is at DJ's favorite campus on the world at Humboldt State. I mean, they're 300 miles away from their campus. How good are they going to be? How good San Diego State going to be? Um, you know, on paper, they're supposed to be pretty good, but based on everything they're dealing with and lack of practice and, and everything else that's going on, uh, New Mexico, heck, they may not even be able to play a season this year. So, you know, and, and even when they're practicing, they're practicing in groups of five. So <laughs> I, I that's. Which That's is good a, for basketball. <laughs> yeah, it's great, you know, for sure. But uh, football, not so much. So it's just it's going to be one of those years where you try to ask some questions, you try to figure out where this team's going to be, but you'll you have no idea until you actually see them out on the field. I mean, heck, we all thought Navy was going to create all kinds of problems for BYU, and obviously we saw how that turned out.
2: Some of you did, but I didn't, and that leads me to the obvious question: Part two, when, not if byu is in a new year's day six bowl are we staffing it
1: um, i think that uh jay catch has provided some great coverage this year and i think it would be a great opportunity uh for the station to see him in the fiesta bowl or wherever the case might be so-
0: oh God. now you did that on purpose you're Thanks, just piling on now <laughs> oh no i'm totally
2: fine with that hey you dig piling <laughs> on me
0: Denying you a trip to the Fiesta Bowl. Come on. Speaking of ancestral oh, homeland. I,
2: well, yeah, but I would be there anyway. So uh, that's the Fiesta Bowl. I would be irritated. But uh, Cotton?
1: I'm, I'm fine. All you, Jake. Thanks, boss man. All right, anytime. I got your back.
0: Okay. Enough uh, enough college football. I have one thing to ask you about pro football and degenerates gambling. Yeah. Daniel Jones off on an 80-yard gallop. <laughs> well, a 70-yard gallop, an eight-yard, a six-yard stumble, a four-yard somersault, and then touchdown. It was unique. But there's a story in the USA today, for the win today, that there was a gambler who bet $500 on Jones to score the third touchdown of the game. That's the wow. degenerate part. He was going to win $14,760, my, minus the taxes, PK points out. When he was at midfield and really had that full stride thing going, but the somersault brought it to, brought it to an end. Do you know of anyone who has a story that painful?
1: Uh, no, because, look, you told me a long time ago, um, prop bets and uh, parlays are for suckers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, that so, comes
0: that comes via my uncle who's lived in Reno forever and sent his kids you know, through the whole school system there. And he ended up getting to know a guy who works in a casino standing next to him at first at a uh, game and then at some school assembly. And they recognized each other and they started talking and telling each other about each other's business. And this guy who worked in the casino thing just laid it all out for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're betting – Daniel Jones, to score of the third touchdown of the game, you have a problem. You probably should go to a meeting somewhere. Like, I, I don't mind throwing a few Skittles on a game every now and then. It's fun, and, you know, God bless you. Go out there, do your thing. But if you're betting parlays, and if you're betting prop bets, and you're throwing $500 down on there, you might as well light that money on fire. So nah. I don't have any sympathy for anybody with a bad beat like that because you're being a moron.
2: You guys don't know professional gamblers. You literally don't. They put them on their tax returns gambling as their occupation.
1: God bless you. If you, could, well, if you, they, can, if you they, can make that it. work, good for you. I've, I've known many. I know. And I remember talking to a guy in a sports book who was – he says, I don't bet NFL, I don't bet um, NBA, I don't bet college football – I make my living betting Major League Baseball games. And from yeah. April to September, he lives in a sports book, and that's how he earns his money. And right. if you're at that high a level and you can figure it out, good for you. But if you're just some random Joe Schmuckatelli out there, and you think, oh, Daniel Jones is going to score the third touchdown, I'm going to bet 500 on it, then, then yeah, you you got, you got some issues.
0: We will leave it there. Scotty G, safe travels. We'll hear you on the call. 4 o'clock for the pregame show on 1280 The Zone. The BYU pregame show at 7 o'clock will be on 97.5 The Zone. But the Aggie pregame game and postgame will be on 1280 The Zone. 5 o'clock kickoff. Thanks, Scotty.
1: Thanks, guys.